Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. Razaban if IFL TV in association with MTK Global. It's a new year. It's a new start. I start off by saying Happy New Year with me, Mr. Kevin Barry, all the way from New Zealand. Kev, how are we doing? Raz, how are you, mate? Happy New Year, my brother. Great to be talking to you on IFL. I'm well, well Kev. Kev, thank you for asking. It's uh, last time I spoke to you, um, I believe you were quarantining in a hotel with your wife. Was it uh, that long ago? It was a long time ago. I can't, so I definitely aren't one of your favourite guests then, if, you, if it's been that long since you've spoken to me. <laughs> <laughs> that, was in the, that was the beginning of October. It was, it was, it was a while ago. Uh, before I start with anything, Kev, how, how are you? How's the family? Is everyone well and safe? Look, I tell you what, I'm well. Um, I'm down here in New Zealand. I had my wife, Tanya, with me, and, uh, and Taylor was down here with me too for the, for the first part of our training camp when, when Joe Parker was supposed to fight Junior Farr on December 12th. And, of course, that fight got postponed. Um, I stayed here for Christmas because I couldn't leave the country because if, if I had left New Zealand and gone back to Vegas... I wouldn't have been able to get back in. There, there was no um, there was no accommodation available. Uh, I couldn't get back in until March, so th- I obviously had to stay here over Christmas. I went down and spent Christmas with my mum. My wife decided that, as much as she loves New Zealand, and when I say love, she loves it, <clears throat> she wanted to go back and and um, have Christmas with our other two children. Very unselfishly, my, my son Tay stayed down. He's He went back about a week and a half ago. He's taking care of business for us in Vegas at the moment. And I'm here in New Zealand. We're outside, mate. It's like 2019. Everyone is going about their lives, their family lives, their social lives, their business lives, as if there isn't a care in the world. It is absolutely unreal to be down here. And we're actually blessed and privileged 
to be to be able to be in New Zealand at a time like this. No, I want to obviously congratulate your Prime Minister because I think she announced uh, a week or so ago that New Zealand was COVID-free. Uh, while we're here in the UK, in a lockdown, in a meltdown, um, people are struggling uh, with jobs, psychologically, physically, emotionally, mentally. Uh, so yeah, New Zealand have done a, a fantastic job and props to your Prime Minister, obviously. Jacinda Ardern has been a, a world leader during this COVID epidemic. Um, she's, she has implemented amazing restrictions and conditions for the New Zealand public that have, um, that have delivered fantastic results. But it's not just her, it's like the people of New Zealand have actually realised that, you know, we live on an island down here and um, there was the potential if everything was done properly and everyone made the sacrifices that, would, that we would make the country um, and the community COVID-free. And that's how it's been. And that's why we're able to, you know, for Joseph Parker to be fighting Junior Farr in front of uh, 10, 12,000 people at Spark Arena. And the America's Cup yachting event is on here at the Viaduct in Auckland at the moment, uh, being shown all around the world to tens of millions of people. Um, it's because of these conditions and the sacrifices that the people made. It's just a shame, mate, that, that you know, I, I know there's a lot of other big countries and I know, you know, we're a little bit protected because we're an island, but there, there are a lot of things that could have been implemented and everyone knows there's a lot of things could have been done better by, you know, by the world leaders, you know, by the, by the USA, by the UK. Um, but it's not talking about the things that we didn't do in the past. It's all making the sacrifices and the right decisions moving forward for us all to beat this. No, absolutely. Let's hope the next couple of months we can re get rid of this, uh, this variant, this virus, and, and we can all swiftly move on. Uh, as we mentioned, Kev, um, last time I spoke to you was in October when you had arrived in New Zealand. We were due to catch up during fight week. That was the arrangement. No, I know we were. I know uh, we were. But were you gutted? that far pulled out at such last minute? Look, mate, it was disappointing for us, but it was also disappointing for their camp. Um, sure, you know, Joe had he'd worked through uh, a few issues that he had. He was having trouble with his elbows. Uh, but, you know, he was happy in, in the, he was happy for the fact that we were able to stage this big fight in, in New Zealand in 2020, and he could salvage his year. Uh, you may remember Joe fought the 27th of February in, in Texas. Um, uh, and, you know, this was going to give us two fights in 2020. And, and the far fight was a very big fight in New Zealand, but it was also a, a, a fight that meant something because Junior Farr was ranked, is undefeated, was ranked number six in the world with the WBO, and Joseph Parker at that stage was number three with the WBO. So, um, you know, we were, we were excited. Um, and Joe was, you know, Joe was devastated you know, when the, when the fight fell through, because, you know, he thought, okay, I've been, I've been giving an, an opportunity here to salvage my year. I'm training hard. I've been doing a lot of strength work. Um, so you, look, you know, once it happened, I said to him, mate, this is completely out of our control. We just have to make sure that we, that we work really hard now and make sure that we can reschedule this fight. And initially, 
um, the FAR camp were talking about rescheduling the fight for May or June, which would have made it absolutely impossible. You know, one is the, the, the venue wasn't available. The sponsors wouldn't stay in for that period of time. Um, we wanted February 27th. It was really the only, the only date on the, t- on the television pay-per-view schedule that we could make it work. A week after that, the America's Cup starts here in Auckland. And a week after that, the rugby season starts. So, uh, and the rugby league. So it was, we, we needed to get that date. So we worked really hard as a, as a, as a team and a unit. Um, David Higgins did a really good job keeping, keeping all the, uh, all the sponsors um, in place uh, for the fight and we're able to now reschedule it. You know, Junior Farr had um, a surgery. I can't tell you what the surgery was because I don't really know. We're, you know, we've we've heard different uh, we've we've heard different surgeries, but we know that he definitely had some sort of uh, medical surgery. He was having trouble with his hemoglobin levels. And, um, you know, hopefully he's recovered now. Apparently he's training well. We're training very, very well. And uh, the fight is now rescheduled for February 27. So do you take a couple of weeks off for Christmas and then resume training? We had, um, after the two weeks I did in Christchurch in quarantine, Joe and I started a seven-week camp. We did five of the seven weeks. And then prior to December... Um, well, it was towards the end of November when, when Junior, when we were hearing rumours that you know his health mightn't be on point, and they were thinking about uh, uh, pulling out. Um, I said to Joe, "Look, if this happens, you know, we'll break camp immediately." Um, we had it was look, it was a bit of a godsend for us, Raz, for the simple fact that even though we were sparring, we'd done fifty rounds of sparring in, in, in the first five weeks. Um, uh, and Joe was on point. He was having problems with his elbows. He was in a considerable pain some days. Um, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. Some days, you know, I sort of in, were doing sparring sessions and I was wondering whether we were going to get through the sparring session because, you know, he was catching he was catching bone chips in his, in his elbow joint. And uh, he, he, like, he wasn't happy with it, but he also said to me, Mate, there is no chance I'm pulling out of this fight. If I have to fight with one arm, I'll fight with one arm. Uh, and I said, God, you're a bloody stubby, you're a stubborn guy, Joseph Parker. And uh, he goes, mate, after we pulled out of that um, Derek Chisora fight the year before, he said, I'll never, ever, I'll never, ever miss another fight. So, uh, so we decided when the fight was rescheduled that we'd go and see our elbow surgeon and we just thought maybe we'd, we could um, have a little bit of a cleanup, which we had keyhole surgery on December 1 and December 11th. Obviously, um, we sat down with Craig Ball, the surgeon, um, and, and made sure that what he was going to do would allow us to start a training camp the first week in January. He felt very confident of that. You know, the first week was a little gingerly, but look, there was a lot going on in both Joe's elbows. You may remember prior to the, to the Anthony Joshua fight, we had surgery on both elbows. Um, And 
at that particular time, you know, Joe's weight sort of ballooned up quite a bit. And uh, so the fact that here we are three years later, this the first lot of surgery was December of 2017. Um, so here we are, December 2020, getting both elbows operated on again. They both had a lot of bone chips in them. Um, there were there was calcium buildup. There was the actual elbow socket that the elbow when you straighten your when you roll your arm back, the the elbow goes into that socket, which allows you to straighten your arm. Well, Joe could never straighten his arm because the socket had half calcified over. So there was a lot of that had to be removed as well. Um, but one thing I can tell you is. The postponement of the fight in December has played into our hands because the guy I'm seeing in the gym at the moment is uh, a much happier fighter, um, a, a fighter who's throwing a lot more punches, um, a, a, a fighter whose right hand is flying at the moment, nice and straight and hard and powerful. And so really, um, as much as we were gutted and disappointed with the postponement, I think the end result's going to be so much better for us. Well, we look forward to it, Kev. Uh, I know we've spoken about it in detail. I'm sure we'll catch up closer to the time as well. Um, I just want to discuss some other things that are going on in boxing, um, Kev. Um, something that might involve Joseph Parker, which is a WBO situation. Um, let's just uh -huh. go back to the end of November, uh, Daniel Dubois, Joe Joyce. Uh, a lot of people call it that Daniel Dubois just punches too hard, he's too young, too fresh. Uh, whereas you had someone like Joe Joyce who had unbelievable amateur experience, went to the Olympics, etc. Were you surprised with that result? Look, I think everybody was a little surprised, but we were absolutely thrilled watching the fight. Um, <laughs> funny story which I'll share with you the fight wasn't shown here in New Zealand uh, the Spark telecommunication network is our sponsor for Joe's fight we went to Spark and, um, and said to them look we really want to watch this fight and they said well look it's, you know, there are no commercial sales in New Zealand we said we need to watch this fight they beamed the fight into a sports bar on the viaduct so David Higgins, Taylor and myself could turn up on a Sunday morning and, and watch that fight. So um, I was, mate, I was thrilled to watch the fight. You know, I've um, Sam Jones and Adam Morley are, are two friends of mine. You know, we, we, we share some business together. Um, you know, I was rooting for them so, so hard. I, you know, we've had Joe Joyce in the gym. He sparred a couple of hundred rounds with my heavyweight, Guio Vianello. Um, so look, we, we know Joe well and we like Joe. And, um, you know, for, for him to produce a performance like that, we were thrilled, mate. Really, really thrilled for them. Um, saying that, I think we all saw, uh really just how overhyped Daniel Dubois really was. And, you know, when you look at, you know, when you started this little segment off and you talked about uh, he, he's throwing punches too hard and the inexperience, well, mate, all those factors weren't reflected in the bookmakers or the boxing experts because no one really gave... Joe Joyce a chance. You know, we knew how durable he was. 
but there were we remember watching his previous fight you know um just trying to think who it was was it wasn't christian hammer but anyhow he got hit with right hands often for for the first two or three rounds and i thought well that's not a good thing fighting dubois but i think you know i think what we saw with joe joyce is Obviously, you know, one of the biggest motors in the heavyweight division, the boy just keeps going and going and going, but also one of the best chins in the heavyweight division. Um, you know, the character of the man really came through. And like watching the fight, you know, I thought at the time uh, he was in total control. Let's remember, he never had his trainer with him as well. So there were a whole lot of factors that played into it in that fight. So, like, it was obviously years and years of experience in the amateurs, a, a very um, a, a very fast start to his professional career, fighting real guys from the get-go. All those factors came into play, and uh, he produced, you know, a career-defining fight. Um, so, look... I was thrilled for him, mate. I thought he did a great job. It's great to see a big guy who's six foot six use his jab like a big guy. Kev, um, I know Joe Joseph Parker has represented the WBO on numerous occasions with the full version of the title, but also the Intercontinental title as well. Now, it's a bit in the air at the moment on what's going to happen to that WBO belt because of Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Now, Usyk being the undisputed cruiserweight champion gets that shot according to the WBO rules. Now, it looks like it could potentially be Usyk and Joe Joyce fight for the interim title. And- which, would be, which would be ridiculous, mate. You know, that, that, it makes, you know, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I'm, look, I'm sure Frank Warren would love that fight, and I'm sure Usyk and his team would probably like that fight as well. But look, let's remember, you mentioned it before. You know, Joseph Parker has represented the WBO um, right throughout his career. We have fought for and won the WBO Oriental title, which was our part of the world, 10 times prior to Joe fighting for the vacant WBO title against Andy Ruiz in 2016. After winning that world title, we defended it twice, you know, once here in New Zealand and once in Manchester against Huey Fury. So, and then, of course, we defended it in a massive unification fight in Cardiff. So, look, the loyalty and the representation for, for our team and Joseph Parker with the WBO is unquestionable. Um, you know, for, for Joe Joyce, who has had one fight with the WBO, and it was his last fight against Daniel Dubois, for him to go to the number two position, really? It makes absolutely zero sense to me. Um, Joseph Parker had sat at that number two position up until September last year where, you know, Frank Warren waved his magic wand and all of a sudden, because of inactivity for Joe, they moved Daniel Dubois to the number two position uh, during the same time that everyone was thinking that the WBO belt may be given up and it may be, it may be up for grabs for a vacant title again. Um, you know, we we accepted that at the time because Joe had been inactive, but but we also were well aware that we had a fight coming up in December, one month after the number eleven Joe Joyce fighting the number two Daniel Dubois, where we had the number three Joseph Parker fighting the undefeated number six Junior Farr. 
Now, any mathematical way that you want to look at that, when three fights six in the rankings is a much bigger fight than two fighting 11. So, you know, obviously uh, there are there are contractual things in place at the moment. We know that, um, that Joe Joyce is with Frank Warren. We know that his contract is coming to an end. So there are, there are obviously, a, you know, he's, he's putting all his good work in trying to secure that fight uh, for Joe uh, against Alexander Usyk. But, you know, it, it, it's appalling for me that, for one, that Joseph Parker, after Dubois took the knee and never got up, wasn't given the, wasn't put back into the number two position where he should be. Um, and two, the WBO should be waiting until the outcome of three versus six before they before they ask anyone to potentially fight for a vacant title or an interim title. In your ideal scenario, what would you like to happen? What would you like to see? Well, mate, look, you know, we'll fight any of those guys. You know, I, we, I've got to take care of business. Um, well, Joe has to take care of business. Our team has to take care of business. You know, we've got this big fight on the on February 27th. Uh, you know, it's a big fight down here in New Zealand. And as I mentioned before, it's a big WBO fight. But we take care of business. And then, you know, we move back into a position to fight for that title. And I don't care if we have to fight uh, Joe Joyce for the winner of the fight, Usyk, or if we go straight into fighting Usyk for an interim t- title. Joseph Parker will, will willingly step into the ring with both those guys, but he should not be he should not be overlooked with this banter at the moment of a, a um, an interim title fight between Alexander Usyk and Joseph Joyce. Um, you know, Parker has the credibility, he has the numbers, he has the loyalty with the WBO. Um, we just want to have received that loyalty back. But Kev, also on the other hand, we have a potential scenario where the WBO may try to find a resolution for Usyk, a compensation, whereas Tyson Fury and Anti Joshua fight for the WBO title, for the undisputed clash, and Usyk takes step aside. But we also know that Fury Joshua will be a two-fight deal. So the, yes. the earliest Usyk might get a chance is sometime in 2022 against the winner, or if it's a vacant belt. So potentially the WBO title could be way, way, well, in, in, in the far-fetched distance for, for Joe himself. Well, see, this is the hardest thing. The, they, the WBO, well, actually not the WBO, the, the promoters of the Fury Joshua event could handle this very, very easily. Let's remember, Usyk's been sitting there in the mandatory position with the WBO for a while now. We all know that the WBO was supposed to get their mandatory shot before the IBF. Usyk and his team stepped aside to allow Anthony Joshua to fight Pulev. Now, they weren't paid for that. They never took step-aside money. Now, here they are again. They've been sitting in that mandatory position for quite a while, and no one is offering to pay them any step-aside money. They're asking him to step aside again. They're waving a carrot around of an interim WBO belt as if that's going to keep him happy. If, if they want to uh, fight for all the belts, 
and they want the support of USEC, then they should be getting their checkbooks out and writing a substantial amount to him. There hasn't been an offer of set-aside money made to him or his team. Well, that's what I believe anyway. Um, and that's what I've been told. You know, so they could they could deal with this a lot easier by saying, here you go, here's X number of dollars. Is this going to make you happy to step aside? And I'm sure the answer would be yes. But when you have a guy who's given them the support by stepping aside the first time for the Puglia fight and taking no financial gain for it, and they're asking him to do that again, uh, I don't think so. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's treating Usyk with, with the respect that he deserves or his team. We're talking about ifs and buts, Kevin, but we don't even know if Joshua Fury actually even happens. Deontay oh, it's going to happen, mate. It's going to happen. Are you sure? Yeah, it's happening. It's going to happen. I'm hearing, look, it's also, you know, what are you, what are you hearing about Deontay Wilder? I know you've got some guys close close to that. You Look, I'm hearing that that maybe Wilder fights uh, Charles Martin for the IBF mandatory. You know, it's a, a it's a it's a good fight for Wilder. It's a dangerous fight for Martin. Martin's sitting there at number two in the IBF. He got that position when he uh, knocked out Gerald Washington. The number one spot's vacant. Uh, it's a like it looks like an easy route back for Deontay Wilder to lock himself into a mandatory position to maybe get uh, one of the champions in in 2022. Absolutely. Um, Kev, also um, a former fighter that Joe fought a couple of years ago here in the UK at the O2 Arena. Um, Dillian White rematch against Povetkin, which takes place March 6th. Um, White's made a few changes in his training team in the last uh-huh. fight uh, and makes further change where he brings in uh, Harold Knight, who obviously was part of Lennox Lewis's coaching staff. How much do you know of Harold and um, what could he bring to, to Dillian's game? Look, I don't know Harold personally, but uh, yeah, I, I know I know who Harold Knight is. Um, you know, I had David Tua fight Lennox many years ago. You know, and I studied Lennox for a long time back in the late nineties and early two thousands. Um, look, it's it's always good to to bring a new set of eyes in and somebody with with experience. I don't know what Harold Knight's been doing. Recently, I know that White brought him in to his team as to, to have some experience there in the corner for the last fight. He obviously liked what he was was hearing and seeing. So, um, you know, Dillian White's a guy that's been around boxing a long time. He's he's had some good trainers with him. Um, you know, Mark Tibbs did a very good job with him. You know, I was uh, I was very surprised when that relationship came to an end because, you know, you'd have to um, attribute a, a lot of Dillian's success in those big fights, you know, to his trainer. And then when you have a winning formula working, you, you never, ever change it. Um, so, look, but, you know, we aren't in that training camp. We don't know what was said. We don't know what was done. But... Um, sure, he needed he needed a little bit more experience, and uh, this next fight is a very very important fight for him because if he doesn't get the right result, um, it's a long way back for Dillian White. Um, 
you know, we're, we're actually, I actually think that the fact that the, the fight's been rescheduled twice now, or probably more than two times, with, uh, with Pavetkin getting COVID was probably a godsend for Dillian White because initially after, after such a, a vicious knockout where he claims he was fine, we all know that he went to sleep before he hit the ground, um, you know, your body needs a little bit of time to recover. Your mind needs time to recover and to work through, uh, you know, a, a traumatic thing like that. Um, out, of, uh, out of ego, he wanted to get straight back in there and prove he's a tough guy and I was winning the fight and I'm going to, this time I will knock you out. Um, but, I, but just common sense tells me that he needed that little bit of extra time and I think he will be better for it. I think that it did him a big favour pushing the fight back to March. Povetkin isn't obviously getting any younger. Dylan was controlling the fight. He had Povetkin down twice, I believe it was round four, before he yes. caught himself in round five. Um, you said the time is a blessing for, for Dylan, but is it also uh, a further negative for Povetkin? Because he is getting older, but he still carries that experience. So is he still dangerous in this fight? Look, I, you, you could never, ever say he wasn't dangerous because nobody thought that he was going to, at the age of 40, was going to be able to execute a perfect left uppercut and set it up like he did during those early rounds in a fight like that. So you know you could never you could never ever take him lightly. But you would you would have to think that the way he was controlling the fight, and I thought he was boxing very well. And what we saw in the fourth round is is how I saw the fight going. I thought that was the perfect time for Dillian White to fight Pavetkin. Um, you know, one thing that we immediately got on the phone to Eddie Hearn and said. You know, before I realised that there was a, a rematch clause, I said, "We want Pavetkin," um, and we're actually, you know, I've had David Higgins in conversation with with Frank and also Eddie recently, saying, "Hey, if Pavetkin can win this fight, win the rematch, we want Pavetkin for Joseph Parker." You know, it's a, and we strongly want that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Okay, Kev. Kev, if you had uh, an ideal scenario for, for Joseph this year, um, how many times would you like to see him fight this year? Well, look, I'd like to see him fight three times, um, obviously. Uh, but, uh, but we want to, you know, we, we first want to take care of this, this big New Zealand fight, uh, a fight for, for, for legacy and respect and everything down here. Because, look, you know, Joe's quite a big favourite against Junior Farr. You know, Joe's fought the big names. He's won the world title. He's a respected guy. He's highly ranked. Uh, but, you know, Junior Farr is like he's undefeated. He's, we haven't seen the best of him. And I said to Joe, gosh, if, if, we, if, if we give this young guy some confidence and allow him to grow in front of our eyes... Um, you know, this could be a difficult fight. And if you ever lost this fight, forget about the fact that you were the fourth youngest heavyweight to ever win the world title. Forget about the, the fact that you won the world title in New Zealand and became a New Zealand superstar and created history. You will be remembered as the guy that was beaten by Junior Farr. And he goes, I get it, coach. And I said, mate, this, is, this fight's bigger than just a fight. This is, 
this is this is a legacy fight for you and a respect fight for you in the country that you have been flying the flag for for the last eight years. Yeah. So, look, mate, I'd like him. Look, we take care of that fight. You know, we want to go straight into something that means something. Whether it's Joe, hey, whether it's Joe Joyce, Joe Joyce is a, is a great fight. You know, it's a great. I think with uh, with his last performance against Daniel Dubois, with with Parker's fights in the UK, with our support in the UK, with, you know, we've got a great support network there. With uh, with the vocals of Sam Jones. The, you know, and the business, uh, you know, the business boxing knowledge of Adam Morley, I think it's a great fight. You know, it's a fight that uh, we have a lot of interest in. It's a great fight within the fight. I want to see Sam Jones and David Higgins go at it. Higgins tells me it's a very, very one-sided event. <laughs> that would be entertaining because Higgins can talk. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so look, mate, well, we're on a fight like that. And, you know, obviously, Dillian's always there for us, mate. That's, you know, we've got, we have some unfinished business. Both guys know that. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of fights out there. We, you know, but obviously, when, you, when you're talking about fighters with other promotional teams like Oscar Rebus with uh, top rank, you know, that, those sort of fights are great fights. You know, Parker Andy Ruiz again is a great fight. Um, you know, Chisora is still on our radar. As long as he, you know, as long as he's still lacing his boots up, you know, we'll want to have a shot at him. Absolutely, heavyweight division is wide open, and and, and yeah, and as you said, um, Joe's got a great following in the UK. Has fought here uh, on three occasions in three different cities: London, Manchester, and Cardiff. Yeah. Um, so it'd be good to see Joe back here in the UK. Hopefully, when this virus goes away, and we could have crowds back in our stadiums. Yes, mate, we definitely need a crowd for that fight. Absolutely. Kev, I always appreciate your time. Thank you so much for uh, jumping on. I know it's very early there in New Zealand, but you oh, are... Oh, mate, it's not that but... early. I've, I've, hey, I've been up and made the bed, cooked a nice breakfast, well, to had a little workout on the exercise. Every time I message Joe or, or Dave Higgins for an interview, they always want to do it New Zealand PM time because they don't want to <laughs> get up in the morning. They make me get up in the morning. So it's convenient for them. But I always agree. So I do appreciate it being evening my time. Um, want to wish you continued health. Uh, and Thank your you, mate. Obviously. Uh, I know New Zealand is safe, but you just never know. And I'm sure uh, I'll be pestering you closer to fight week. I hope you are, my friend. And hey, look, much love to you and your wife and your little boy. Um, stay, stay well and stay healthy. Kevin Barry, IFL TV. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast sponsored by William Hill in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.